Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Well, welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I hope you're having a great day today, and I'm looking forward to opening up the Bible and seeing what God has to speak to us about today uh, from His Word. I tell you, there's nothing in me worth listening to, and there's nothing on the news that you need to hear, but I tell you, every time the Bible's open and you read God's Word, that's something to pay attention to. Take heed unto His Word. I tell you, there's nothing like the Bible, and I'm glad in this day of uncertainty we have a more sure Word of prophecy. We have a book that does not need questioned. It needs followed. It doesn't need critiqued. It needs complied with. It needs followed. That's what we need in this day. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and let God direct your paths. And I thank God that we have a clear plan of direction given to us in his word. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're facing, but I promise you this. God will meet your need if you'll just let him. If you'll just just tune in and you'll just open your mind and your heart and your ear to the Lord. Him that hath an ear, let him hear. Read the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart. God will meet your need. And I'm glad God knows all about it. He knows right where you are. He knows exactly what you do stand in need of even today. We're in the book of Acts, and we've been studying this great book together. And we have been in Acts chapter 9 now for many weeks, and we'll continue in that chapter today probably two or three, maybe three more broadcasts in this chapter, and we'll continue to see what the Lord has to say. Today, I want to go back, if I can, and reconsider the conversion of Saul of Tarsus that introduces itself to us in this chapter. In fact, the chapter begins with that account of this wicked, vicious, murderous man being saved by the grace of God. All of the exciting things that'll take place later on the most of your new testament epistles the church is planted throughout asia minor other places much of that owes uh, itself to the conversion of saul so a big thing is taking place here uh, when paul gets born again by the way when you got saved it was a big deal as well you know there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner that repenteth and it doesn't matter what kind of sinner. It doesn't matter their bank account or their. It doesn't matter their IQ. It doesn't matter their status. It doesn't matter their skin color. God rejoices in heaven. The Lord rejoices in heaven. The angels sing Amen in heaven every time a sinner gets saved. And we're going to think about that here just a little bit today. Now, if you've missed any of our prior Bible studies, those are all available on our podcast. Our podcast is found wherever podcasts can be found, and you can find Striving for Revival there on Spotify and iTunes and different places. And so if you'll go and type us in, Striving for Revival, hit subscribe, then you'll have free access to all of the Bible studies that we have recorded. They're all, all archived there for you, and you can use that as a study tool in case you miss us as we are live here on the radio. You can always catch us there on the podcast. Now, let's read together Acts 9, and we're going to go back. We've covered this, but I want us to look at it again and give you some 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 things to think about concerning conversion. All right, number one, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. 
and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. On the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus is not just scared into a temporal elevation of spirituality. He is not just coerced into a momentary uh, growth, if you will, into religiosity. That is not what's happening here. Saul of Tarsus is regenerated. I'm talking about a radical transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, believing by faith that Christ Jesus is the Lord. Saul of Tarsus is born again. He's a new creature in Christ. The conversion of Saul and of Tarsus, you have to understand, is one of the greatest events in the history of Christianity. This event that we just read is as big for the Christian as the Red Sea parting for the Jew. It's as big for the Christian as Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments delivered there in the Old Testament. This is a momentous event in the history of Christianity and in the early church life, if you will, of the book of Acts. This furious man, I mean, had attacked with reckless abandon the church of God. So much pain, so much suffering, so much anguish had been caused by him. He had plundered homes and plunged people into sorrow. He'd put them into prison. I mean, condemned them ultimately to die. He was fanatical. I said he was frenzied. He was furious. He opposed everything connected to Jesus Christ. You talk about the vilest man you can think of today, the most murderous, I mean, hateful individual that you can think of today. And imagine them getting saved. It's like if Nero had gotten saved. It's like if, uh, if Hitler had gotten saved. It's like if those terrorists on 9-11, if they had gotten saved. I'm talking about it's somebody so out there, so anti-Christ, and yet we find here in this story that Saul is transformed by the power, I like it, the power of redeeming love, the power of amazing grace. And this persecutor falls down, lies face down in the dust on the Damascus road, and he cries out to Christ and gets converted. Now, I want to show you a few things uh, that I think are interesting, and they all pertain to this idea of salvation or conversion. The first thing I notice it Saul it says, yet breathing out threatenings in the first verse. What I like about that phrase is Saul did not get reformed and then reborn. He did not cease his sinning and then get saved. He didn't step out of his wicked lifestyle into a holy lifestyle and then converted. But rather, grace got him out. Grace reached in to where he was. He got saved in the heat of his hellish lifestyle. Some people think, well, I'd like to get born again, but I don't want to give up this, that, or the other to get saved. Let me say this. You don't have to give up anything 
to get saved. That song we sing, Just As I Am, Without One Plea, you come just as you are. I'm talking about you come with your baggage, with your scars, with your cobwebs in the closet, with that sin that you're battling, and not even battling, but living in. You come as you are, and I tell you this, Christ will save you where you stand. You don't have to get cleaned up on the outside for him to make you new on the inside. Now, I promise you this, once you get saved, he'll work on that outside too. But you just come to the Lord as you are. I think Saul must have realized, number one, I like he got saved while still living in that bad lifestyle. But then I think he might have understood and seen the emptiness of a life without Christ. He'd been running around, if you study his life, he's trying to make money. He is climbing the business ladder, if you will. He's going up in status with the Roman government and with the Jewish leadership. And this man is out for personal gain. He's endeavoring to possess a a conscious void of offense. He's doing what he can do according to his religion. And yet he finds himself unfulfilled. He finds himself dissatisfied. He finds himself still empty. I think that's why he was so evil. I mean, so wicked. He was trying to veneer the conviction and hide the fact that he was missing something in his heart. And that's why he acted the way he did. I think he understood that. Now, late when he gets saved, uh, think about it. After he gets born again, he saw the necessity of confessing his faith openly. Uh, in verse 18, it said he w- was uh, uh, baptized. So he wasn't some incognito believer, but he wanted everybody to know now that he's saved, hey, I'm a born-again person, and he made a public profession of his faith. I think when Christ saves somebody, they're not going to be quiet about it. They're not going to be silent, but I think they're going to want to let the world know I have been born again. All right, give me, let me give you another one. I think he understood after he got saved, he wanted fellowship with other Christians. In verse number 19, it said that he was certain days with the disciples at Damascus. In verse 17, Ananias called him Brother Saul. So I think it clicked in his heart, man, now that I'm saved, I want to run with folks who are saved. I'm a Christian. That's my crowd. I want to get around other Christians, and I think he saw the need for fellowship. I think he saw the need for service. In verse number 20, it says in chapter 9, straight where he preached Christ in the synagogues. He wasn't sitting around on his hands waiting on the rapture to come. No, he was out there doing a work for God. I think he saw the necessity of service. Listen, there's some great things that go with conversion. God will save you as you are. Amen. I think the person who gets saved has to realize there's nothing in this world that can meet the need of their heart except Christ. There's an emptiness without him. Once you get saved, you'll want to confess it. Once you get saved, you'll want to have fellowship with other Christians. And once you're saved, you're going to want to serve the Savior. Well, that's all of our time for today. Make sure you join us next broadcast. We'll continue here in Acts chapter 9. And we're looking down a little bit further into the text now, verse 32 and following. Don't miss it. Until then, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.